Welcome back to Quantum Leap. We are the podcast that explores how we achieve new heights in leadership, business, and our lives. David Wolf here with the Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Terry, good to be back with you, as always. I'm looking forward to it as well, David. Good morning. So we were just talking offline, and I wanted to roll the recording because there's so much good knowledge capital being captured here by you, the Catalyst, the QCAT. When we talk about Quantum Leap, there is a sense of heightened awareness that there are many metaphors for, but I think today what we decided together and what you'd like to do is talk about what is a quantum leap? Really, really, what is it? How do we recognize it? And what is the nature of this high intuitive heightened awareness that helps us identify quantum leaps and transfer them into forward thinking progress for ourselves? It's it's actually very interesting because a number of years ago, I was on a visit to the United States from South Africa, and I was on a plane and it was in the early hours of the morning, and I was standing at the back of the plane talking to a friend of mine, actually, who was on a tennis scholarship at a university in the U.S. And uh, I asked him, I said, you know, you, you're on the scholarship and you're learning new things. What are some of the significant things that you're picking up at the moment in being on a, on a, on a, on a college scholarship program like you're in right now? He said, Terry, you know, it's, it's been mind-blowing for me because I suddenly realized something that I would never have picked up in just in my normal tennis practice back in South Africa. And I said, what is it? And his name is David, by the way, as well. So I said, David, tell me about it. He said, well, you know, every now and again, we're watching big matches and we, we see players suddenly hitting shots that we, we thought were absolutely impossible. And the crowd goes wild and they applaud and they stand and they say, how is it possible that a person could hit a shot like that? He said, this is how they do it. He said, we spend inordinate numbers of hours practicing shots that are impossible. For instance, if we want to hit a shot that that comes down on the left or the right-hand side of the court and we want to hit it at a peculiar angle, a very funny angle, instead of just hitting it back into the court, will hit it in such a way that it literally is parallel with the net, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And an and, 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 and impossible shot that people would say, well, that's remarkable. He said, but if you knew how many hours we spent practicing those kinds of shots so that when the moment arrived in the heat of battle, we were able to suddenly pick up and say, I've done this a million times. This is easy for me. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we execute at that moment and the execution comes out exactly the way that we've been practicing that shot day in and day out. And all of a sudden everybody goes crazy. So the buzz in the stands is this is spectacularly new or spectacularly different. Whereas for the player, it's just it's common practice that caused that shot to occur at that particular moment. Nothing spectacular. It's almost overwhelming for them that people would get so excited about it because they didn't know what went into that moment. That's right. And you've talked about the difference yes. as, as mere mortals watching tennis or any major sports. Yes. The differential between the interpretation of the play-by-play and the yes. inner game, what's actually happening on the court and inside the psyche of the players themselves. Right. As opposed to the 
com- and we call it the conversation, the conversation that's going on in the stands by the spectators and another conversation going on by the commentators who whose lives depend on their ability to interpret what they think is happening in the player's mind. And that's the incredible part about it. Exactly. It's just that, 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 that moment. Now, here's the key to it. So over this past weekend, I was, th- I was watching uh, some of the stuff on the, the TV the, at the American Open, the U.S. Open, yes. and watching these players hit these spectacular shots. And we, we saw in the, in the dying moments of the game of uh, Luca Pui playing against Rafa Nadal from Spain and coming up with a spectacular shot at the last moment. And people said, well, how can a, 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 almost a novice in a sense, not really a novice, but how could he come up with a shot down the line that would win the game? I mean, such a chancy shot. And he, he, when he was being interviewed, he said, I knew I had to go for it. I knew I had to be aggressive at that moment. But what we don't know and what he didn't really talk about was those are the kinds of shots that they've been practicing for hours and hours and hours. So when the moment suddenly arrives, they're going to execute it like they have done a million times in their practice. And really, that's the key to the whole exercise is the ability to 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 follow through, to actually pick up all the reserves. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. We think that there's some sort of spectacular uh, talent that people have got, that they're able to draw on these things um, every now and again without realizing that that practice part of it, that's the quantum leap in the process. In itself, quantum leap is, is almost boring in a way because any one of us is capable of being able to have that moment. But it doesn't depend on knowing about it it doesn't be, depend on the psychology of it, the interpretation of it, the theory behind it. It's got nothing to do with that. It's the ability to act it out again and again and again. I'll give you another example. Mm-hmm. Years ago, um, I think I may have mentioned it, I, I, I lived um, very close to the golf course that Gary Player used to play at. Wow. And one afternoon, I don't know why I was driving there at the time. I was about 19 or 20 at the time. And I drove past the golf course and I saw a group of about five or six people standing around watching somebody playing or practicing. And it happened to be Gary Player. And and you you can't miss him because he's actually a very small man. He's not a very tall guy. Hmm. For him to be that good and that small is, is absolutely remarkable. But what I'm about to tell you is this. He had about five buckets of balls around him. Hmm. He had a caddy with him. He had another caddy down on the on you know way down about two three hundred yards down on the fairway, mm-hmm. and he was hitting drives off the tee, and I stopped for a while and I watched, and then a few hours and then I had to go I had to I had some work to do so I went off to work and I came back again at about five o'clock in the evening, and Gary Player was in exactly the same position playing exactly the same shot again. Oh so goodness. I got out of my car. There were about five people standing and watching him. And what he would do is he would hit this drive. And as he finished his swing, the caddy would go behind him and pick up the club or, or uh, put his hands on it in exactly the position that Gary Player finished his shot. And Gary Player would sort of crawl out from underneath there. 
and he would look at it and he would make a, a small adjustment on the head of the club and the angle of the club. And he, and he would say something like, yes, this is right. That's right. And he would take the club and he hit another one and he'd do exactly the same process again and again and again. It didn't matter exactly where it went, but he was concentrating on the mechanics of making sure that he finished his shot in a perfect way. Now, he'd spent the whole afternoon doing that from about when I got there, 2 o'clock. He was probably there earlier than that. But from 2 o'clock until I came back at about 5 or 5.30, going on 6 o'clock, playing that one shot again and again and again and again until probably in his sleep he could play that shot. And he would finish the shot. He would finish with the club in exactly the position that he wanted to finish with at that moment. And then we say he's a genius because when it came to the, to the game, and in fact, a, a few months later, I actually walked around the course watching him. And I didn't know very much about golf. I had never played golf. But I was just fascinated by this little man who was so spectacularly good and became one of the big three in the world um, and, and made such an impact. But if you knew the amount of practice that this man put into being spectacular, talk about a quantum leap. The quantum leap was not in being able to execute it at that moment, uh, in, you know, in, in the heat of battle. The quantum leap is in the amount of action that he took, the act of, act of doing it so often that it just became totally natural for him. And that's what Luca Pui was obviously doing. He said that he practiced with his with his colleagues for hours and hours. They all know each other very well. It'll be very interesting this week to see how the three of them perform mm -hmm. and whether Luca, Luca Pui is is as spectacular as he appears after his win over Rafa Nadal, or whether this was just a flash in the pan. And he was asked, "What do I have to do to to win tournaments?" He said, "It's very simple." He said, "I have to." Be better than I am right now. That's where I, that was. That was the last word in the interview that he had, saying it's a never-ending process, so that I am better. Now, what's the point that I'm making? The point that I'm making is that any one of us is capable of having those types of moments or those moments, breakthrough moments you can call them, or quantum leap moments. But it's not as spectacular as anybody believes. It's not just a momentary flash. It's not even an aha experience. It's just sheer ongoing practice, doing the same things again and again and making sure that we do it right every time. So it's not just practice. It's the quality of the practice. That's the issue. So any of us is capable of doing that, that type of stuff if we will follow through now, you're in a, in a function at the moment where you've gone into sort of fairly new field for yourself, and, uh, and, and they're giving you all kinds of material and lots of statistics and lots of uh, control systems, and you say, wow, this is, this is exactly what I need right now. But, you know, here's the interesting thing. It's not the material. It's not the control system that's going to make the difference. It's whether you'll go out and do what you're supposed to be doing day in and day out without fail until it just becomes second nature. That's the secret source in the long run. That's right. It's the practice. It's the Gary player. It's, it's uh, yeah. practicing yes. and practicing and practicing. You know, uh, I came from uh, many years in the music business, and uh, so the metaphor musically is, you know, playing scales very slowly 
every day, every day. So your muscle memory, your oral memory starts to get in tune with what you're doing. Um, that repetition, it's boring, but you have to find ways to be creative and make it quality practice by analyzing and reflecting and improving constantly. Uh, yesterday we were talking about, uh, there's a new film coming out with Tom Hanks called Sully. And of course it captures the the story of Sullenberger who uh, landed the uh, Airbus A320 in the Hudson River uh, right. about nine years ago. And um, and this is an, another example of the same, but I'll just mention it because it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful and apparent example of what you're talking about. Gary Player was once asked the question, or told, somebody made the remark to him and said, you know, Gary, it's amazing how lucky you are on the golf <laughs> He said, yes, you're 100% right. He said, the more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> that's, be that's a beautiful <laughs> way of redirecting that guy. But uh, So Sullenberger <laughs> really lands, you know, he lands this plane in the Hudson and everyone survives. And what we know as pilots is, is that everything you, the boring practice, the quantum leap preparation for that moment is hours and hours of doing touch and go landings and practicing landing emergency situations. It's not about just flying everyday normal flying, but for a pilot, you're constantly training for that that amazing shot, as you call it, uh, parallel to the net. You're, you're, you're constantly practicing, where should I land the plane right after I take off if the, the unexpected happens and I have to manage through it. So it does become the emergency procedures that you practice almost become an automated response because of the repetition. You mentioned Gary Player, the repetition, the repetition, the repetition. It, it's almost like it internalizes this this mechanism now so that in his sleep he could do it. I heard you say that. It's so true. Yes, exactly that point. Same and stuff. any one of us can, can actually make that happen. And you see, we've been lulled into believing that this is all about talent. But uh, it's, it, there, are, there are innumerable, in fact, this is one of the, the things that uh, Patrick, the, the Serena Williams' coach, mentions. Yes. It's if there are innumerable talented people out there that are absolutely brilliant, how come one or two of them rise to the top? And now we've got the answer to it. It's not because of the talent. There are a lot of people that do not use their talent effectively. There are tennis players out there and golfers who should be spectacular and who are not achieving the results. There are people like Charles Howell III, who's, who everybody, every time they see him play, the, the commentators, they say, he should have won more tournaments with that, with that level of talent. There's uh, Nick Kyrgios, the, the tennis player from Australia, who everybody agrees is, is, a, is about the most talented tennis player they've, they've seen in years. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow or other he, he just he seems to break down and can't win matches or doesn't win matches. Mm-hmm. There are people like uh, Gaël Monfi, the, the the French player, yes. who's much more concerned about making an impact on the audience and then being the showman than he is in winning the game. You can see that. You can feel it in his energy visually. You can see his performance. He is performing. I mean, there was a shot of him yesterday I I was watching where in the middle of a rally, he bends down to supposedly tie his shoelace in the middle of the shot. (laughs) And then gets up and then wins the point. I mean, and, and smiles because all he's doing is trying to entertain the crowd. But he's got oodles of talent and can do anything that he wants. The question is, will he knuckle down? Will he discipline himself? Will he put in the practice 
of being focused enough to win the tournaments. And he's capable of doing it. Any one of these people is capable of winning. But how come the odd few keep coming back? And Rafa Nadal, of course, is an example of that. He's the Gary player of this age. Mm -hmm. It's almost as though he enjoys the pain that he goes through in order to be able to win. And so he didn't win yesterday. Yeah, you know, say so he passes it off and says, well, I've got to do better. And he'll go back and he'll practice even more. <laughs> That's what will happen. It's, 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 it's what he's made of. It's what, it's what leads to the quantum leap. Do I have that right? It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the boring, tactical, everyday, heads down, get to it, that creates the quantum leap result at the end of the day, right? Right. And not being a victim of the bright and shiny syndrome, mm-hmm. which is, ah, oh, this is too hard. Let me try something else. Or let me move in another direction because right. this is too tough for me. Right. If we're really engaged and we put up, and that's the focus of, of our lives in a sense, or the focus at least uh, that, that to the exclusion of all other bright and shiny, uh, more enticing, more seductive uh, stimuli that we get, if we can sort of rule that out of, our, out of our minds and focus on it, then we can make that happen. That's the idea behind it. But very few of us have the ability to, to go out and do that. That's really the point. But any one of us is capable of doing that if we really want it badly enough. The superstars are capable of doing that. That's really what it's about. So that's my point for today's discussion on what is quantum leap. It's about that. It's about that simple, boring, repetitive exercise of doing the things that we want to do and making sure that it works for us. Terry Ostroviak. You can reach Terry through his website at www.qlcat.com. QLCAT. He is the Quantum Leap Catalyst. I'm David Wolf with Terry Ostrovac. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Terry. Thank you, David. 